This is Courage Cast. Faith, inspiration, and motivation for today. Hey everyone, this is Eric Nordoff, and you are listening to another episode of the Courage Cast. Today I have another special guest for the podcast. I have author and pastor Dave Ferguson, who's the author of several books, two of which I have. One is called Hero Maker, his latest, and the other is called Exponential. And I'm telling you that what he has to say, if we grasp what this man has to say for our entrepreneurial ventures for our ministry. Um, There are so many good principles just in dealing with life and being successful in life that he teaches in these books and on this podcast episode. There's no way that you're not going to glean something really, really valuable from this. Now, one thing I would like to say is that we had a really bad connection So there are going to be some times that you're going to have to put up with a little bit of a delay or a lag in our conversation. That's completely my fault. I have got to get a better internet uh, server and provider here. Um, I think it's actually my network that is uh, the problem. So I'm going to have to possibly get an upgraded uh, router or something. So uh, because we keep having this problem and it's such a shame because I I, uh, would really like for you to experience it in its fullest, but it's really not that bad, but you just have to deal with a little bit of a network lag in our conversation, but well, well worth it. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dave Ferguson author of Hero Maker and Exponential. Well, I am honored and grateful that Dave Ferguson, uh, would, do I call you Pastor Dave? Do people call you Pastor Dave or can I just call um, you Dave That would be my dad. You can just call me Dave. <laughs> just right. call me Dave. Perfect. Please. I'm honored that you're on the Courage Cast. Welcome, Dave. Uh, glad to you make some time for me. Hey, thanks for having me, Eric, very much. Yeah. So, so Dave, um, the way I encountered your book was through um, my wife actually writing with um, your, your friend and, and worship leader at your church, um, and it was, uh, it was just kind of like a, a definite resonated with me right away when, when my wife came home and said, you need to read this book. It's called Hero Maker. And I was immediately intrigued um, by the title alone and the subtitle, Five Essential Practices for Leaders to Multiply Leaders. And so I wanted to kind of just probe. And, and as I started reading it, I really got even more excited about it because it just speaks to this concept of multiplication, duplicating yourself into, or your skills or your abilities, what you know into other people to help make them better, you know, better leaders, um, uh, leaders that, that ultimately, you know, multiplying yourself so that you're not, you're not kind of stuck in this place. So many of our people that we work with in our um, network marketing business are stuck. Uh, they don't know how to duplicate. They don't know how to multiply leaders. And a lot of it, I, it seems like starts with them and working on themselves. Do you find that you do a lot of that with your people that you're trying to multiply? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think fundamentally, the shift that we're challenging people to make, in particular in this case, we're primarily talking to leaders, but it applies to everybody, is how do you begin to view yourself 
not primarily as the hero, happen to be the one who stands in the spotlight and, and, and things, you know, you are the center of attention. But instead, how do you begin to position yourself instead of trying to be the hero? How do I make heroes of other people? And if you can make that mental paradigm shift that everything I do is trying to set other people up to be heroes, I'm trying to create platforms that they stand on and they shine in the spotlight. Um, that's the sh- I have a mentor. A guy who was brilliant at this, a behind-the-scenes guy who impacted, I would say, millions of folks. A guy named Bob Buford, if you ever wrote his book, Halftime. Mm-hmm. And uh, he talked about the shift that he had to make. A um, little background on his story. He had, his only son died, um, and he had been very successful in the cable TV business. Uh-huh. And when his only son died, it was kind of this awakening moment for him, and he moved from what he called uh, from success to significance. He called it his halftime. And I think the same way we could say – um, he, what we have to do is go from trying to be the hero to making heroes of others. And he had this saying that uh, I've adopted on my own and maybe some of, some of your people will adopt too. And he says this, my fruit grows on other people's trees. Mm. My fruit grows on trees. And when you begin to think that way, okay, that it doesn't have to grow on my trees, but the, but the things I'm trying to get done actually happen to other people, that, that's the paradigm shift you have to make. Wow. So, yeah, that's really, really good. So the whole phrase, you shall know them by their fruit, you shall know them by the fruit yes. on other people's trees. <laughs> wow. Yes. Right. That's, a- that's Eric. I hadn't really even thought about it in relation to what Jesus said. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's just naturally but where that's I exactly go. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. No, so- you went there for me. I, I should have talked to you before I wrote the book. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I, I, well, maybe I'll help you with the next book. How about that? No. Um, no, seriously. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying it's a deal. We could write a book together. All right. Done deal. I love it. I love it. Um, so how did you start this? Where, where did you kind of get to this thinking? You, you said you're, you call your dad Pastor Dave. Were you a pastor's kid, preacher's kid? And can I, what was sort of set you up for, for exponentialism? Um, yeah, when I was, I was four, um, and, um, my other two siblings were, were even younger. My, my folks moved to the Chicago area and my dad started a church. And so, um, it was, it was kind of, it, it was kind of in my blood, uh, the, the whole thing. So your dad started a church in Chicago and you grew up watching your dad. I did. And I think as, as a young person, even though it was a positive experience, it was really a terrific church, a great community of people. Uh, to grow up in, I resented the idea um, that other people thought I was going to be a pastor. Mm. And um, it really wasn't until I got to college that I began to think, you know what, what's the, what's, what should I trade my life for? What's the biggest way I can make the, the biggest impact? Mm-hmm. And um, early on, it was kind of like, you know what, and I phrase it this way, I would love to help people find their way back to God. Mm. And then it became like, well, the best way to do that is probably to plant a church and this is what kind of got me into kind of multiplying thinking and exponential thinking was if the best way to do it is to plant one church, what if we planted a whole bunch of them? Uh-huh. And uh, that's kind of what got me away. Now tell me uh, the name of your church that you started. You must have been very young when you planted that church. Yeah, I w- uh, it was just it was a handful of us that were all friends from college, moved back to Chicago, and it's Community Christian Church. And we have locations across uh, both in the city and suburbs of Chicago. And then we've also started a whole church planning network. We've got about um, close to 1,600 churches globally now, and that's called New Thing. 
you can check that out at newthing.org. Okay, wait. Now, newthing.org? Yep. Newthing.org. Church. Okay, so you, you've got a uh, community Christian church. How many churches are in the Chicago area? There's 11 locations of community Christian, about 1,500 that are part of New Thing. And then I wear a third hat, too. I actually lead a conference called Exponential. So mm-hmm. you can see the multiplying theme. And uh, we have an annual conference down in Orlando, which uh, my friend Lucas that you met, mm-hmm. he's the worship leader for. We have about 55 people that show up there. And then we have five regionals. Mm-hmm. Um, across the country, and uh, if people are interested in that, they can check out exponential.org. Okay. Wow. I Honestly, uh, Dave, I, I was not even aware of this. This is like a an underground movement for me, and I, I don't mean that to any offense to you. It's just it's just this secret that I've never uh, been involved in. So uh, very, very cool movement that you have going on. Um, it all seems like it's about giving away seems like you're giving giving away things uh in order to 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 further the growth of your you know your purpose uh, i think you're absolutely right uh, maybe i can share a story that maybe it'll inspire some of your listeners too to you know give stuff away um this goes back uh, probably 15 years ago and my uh, the youth pastor at the, at the church we planted guy i loved i wanted him to be the youth pastor for my kids he came up to me and he said, uh, hey, Dave, um, I want to do what you did. Mm. I was like, what did I do? And he said, you planted a church. Now, at, this, at that point, we'd never planted a church. Uh-huh. And I asked him, I said, like, well, where do you want to go? And he said, well, I, I'm thinking about Denver. And so I'm actually I'm, I'm hoping he'll just kind of wears off because I really liked having him on my team. And, uh, and so I said, well, you know, to kind of put him on. I said, why don't you go out to Denver and just check it out? So he goes out to Denver with his wife. He's gone for not even a week. And he gets back, and I said, well, um, you know, how'd it go? And he said, I went pretty good. And he had this big smile on his face. And I said, what do you mean it went pretty good? He said, no, it went really good. So he went out there, and over the course of a week, he'd connected with a handful of people, and he'd already raised, this is unbelievable, he already raised over $100,000 to help start a new church. Huh. And I was like, what? I mean, I couldn't believe it. And it, at that moment, it was like so clear that God was in it. What I did is I just I got him in front of all of our volunteer leaders, all our staff, who's several hundred people. And I said, Hey, David, Heather have been praying about this. They feel like God sent him to Denver. I told the whole story about how they, they got the money to me. It's clear, even though I didn't really want to send them, but God's calling them out there to do this. And then I said, I said, you know what? And if God is sending them, I think he's probably sending some of you to go with him too. Hmm. And uh, we had about, we had about 35 people from our church that uh, quit their jobs um, sold their homes or t- transferred to schools and went out there and helped them start that church. Now, now here's kind of the, the moral of the story. I thought by, by letting him become a hero, okay, by making him the hero, by equipping him, sending him out with my blessing, I also sent him with a bunch of money to get this thing started too, I thought I was losing a youth pastor, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, oh, this sucks. Mm-hmm. But what, it really, what was really happening was actually the beginning of our new thing network, which now – We've helped plant, like I said, there's almost 1,600 churches around the world. Wow. And I think there's sometimes we think, we think we're go, we're, we, we let go of people. We help them become the best they could be, and it feels like a loss to us. Yeah. But it's kind of – there's a biblical principle here of, in reaping. you yeah. got to sow in order to reap. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, I, and to me, I learned that lesson from that experience kind of early on. And ever since then, I just – I continue to go, like, you know what? I want to – 
help people become the best that they can be, be all that God meant for them to be. And I'm just trusting God that, that he's going to do whatever he wants with them and he'll give me whatever. And, and it seems as though every time I trust other people with God and try to help them become the best they could be, it's like he entrusts me with more. Yeah. And, um, it's that's, that is a great place to live because you're not holding on to anything. And it's almost as if the thing that you're kind of holding on to that you still want to kind of keep for yourself so that it can, you know, you know, gosh, it would be hard to lose a youth pastor. You know, it would be hard to, it it means more work for you, right? So naturally we would want to hold on to that person, but, but you're really, all you're doing is just for selfish reasons, you're holding on to somebody, you're keeping them from their greater destiny uh, and experience. And it's, it's actually, it, even though it, in the short term, it might seem a more appealing thing long term, it's just going to leave both parties empty and there's not going to be any room for multiplication and uh, exponential uh, growth. So, and, and I think too, I, I mean, Eric, to speak to the people that are listening in that are, you know, that are, that are learning from you. I, I think if they will try, if they will do everything they can to make the people around them all that they can be, trust, say, hey, I'm just going to, I'm going to continue to pour into you. I'm going to continue to invest in you. I, I want you to become the best you can possibly be. I think there are, there's just certain principles I think God's put into the world that are, that, that it's going to, it is going to come back to you as a blessing in some way. Yeah. And you just have to, and if, and it's really, it's an abundance mindset. If you have a scarcity mindset, I'm telling you, you're never going to become everything God meant for you to be. Yes. I love it. I'm all about abundance mindset versus scarcity. Um, so tell me about the, if you don't mind, I don't want to give away the whole book, but I'd, I'd really, I'm dying to know the five essential practices yeah, for leaders to multiply leaders. What are the five essential practices for leaders to multiply leaders? Yeah, I can, uh, one at a time, if you got any questions, you can stop me. The first one is multiplication thinking. It starts there, where you have to make the you have to kind of drive a stake in the ground and realize that you know what, in order for me to accomplish everything that I want to accomplish, for me to maximize my difference making, even my business, think about leadership. I have to think, how do I actually do this through other people? Mm-hmm. Um, I had a guy. Uh, I, I remember I was sitting in a workshop, and. Uh, and he said, I want you to take your current dream. And your, your listeners could do this along with me. And, he, and my dream at that time is I want to have a church that have a thousand people in it. I thought, boy, if I had a church that had a thousand people in it, that would be awesome. Mm. And, uh, and he said, I want you to take your current dream. And I said, now I want you to multiply it by a million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, <I laughs> That's mean, really hard. That. That's really hard. No, That's <laughs> a lot of zeros. Uh-huh. So a thousand times a million, that's a billion. And he said, now I want you to figure out how could you accomplish that dream? Wow, and I was like, "Hold it! Nobody has a of a billion." And all of a sudden, but what it did, it, it forced me into multiplication thinking because all of a sudden I started going like, "You know what? I can't do this on my own. Mm-hmm. I can't. My church can't do this on my own. My denomination can't do this on. I'm going to have to develop all kinds of leaders. I'm going to have to develop all kinds of artists. I'm going to I'm going to have to partner with all kinds of churches. I'm going to have to do everything I can. There's no and, and the I think the first the first the first practice is this multiplication thinking that it can't be about like, what am I going to do? But it's only going to be, what are we going to do? And I do it through other people. Yeah. And And you multiply your influence. And it's a tremendous amount of faith that is stirred up as well, because it has to be dependent on God at this point, because there's no way that without divine intervention, or it seems 
that this is going to be accomplished. Am I right? I, I think you're exactly right. Yes. Okay. But, um, but it's interesting because um, biblically it takes the power of people working together. It takes the, it takes a great, no great thing is accomplished by one man alone. It, it has to be a movement of people. It has to be a group of people. God always works that way. Doesn't he? Other than Jesus. Oh, I, I agree. I, I, let me share another story with you. I ran across. Maybe your, your listeners enjoy this. Are, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a runner. I got two boys that are both competitive distance runners. I don't know. Are you a runner at all? Um, I run a great 5K, Dave. That's about as far as I okay, go. Well, that counts. <laughs> that, that counts. There's, there's a woman named Shalane Flanagan. Mm-hmm. And Shana, Shalane Flanagan in November won the New York City Marathon. Yeah, I heard and that. And it's a big deal in the running world. It was the, she was the first woman in 40 years to win the New York Marathon. And she ran it in like two hours and 26 minutes. Which was- she beat men and women. But I ran Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, she beat yeah almost everybody. She, I mean, she's she's now considered probably the best distance runner we have um, in this part this part of the world. Mm-hmm. But the New York Times wrote, wrote an article about her, and listen, I'll just read this to you. And I think it speaks to hero making and multiplication thinking. Okay, it said this about Shalane Flanagan in the New York Times. It said, perhaps Flanagan's bigger accomplishment lies in nurturing and promoting the rising talent around her. A rare quality in the cutthroat world of elite sports. Listen to this. This goes on to say, every single one of her training partners, all 11 women on Team Nike, have made it to the Olympics while training with her. An extraordinary feat. They call it the Selene Effect. You serve as a rocket booster for the careers of the women who work alongside you while catapulting forward yourself. Selene has pioneered a new brand of Team Mom to these young and up-and-comers with the confidence not to tear others down to protect her place in the hierarchy. Wow. Think about this. So not only is she great, I mean, I mean, she's probably the greatest runner we have, but every person who runs with her makes the Olympics. Mm. Now think about your business, okay, or even my church. Um, yeah, you, you want to have a great business. I want to. But imagine this. You get the reputation, the Shalene effect, the Dave effect, the Eric effect, where you, everybody who, who comes around you and works with you they also achieve greatness. Yes. That, that's what we're that's what we're talking about when we talk about being a filmmaker. And it's the idea of multiplication thinking. I love it. That's really, really cool. That encompasses it really, really well. Okay, what's the second practice? And well, let me ask you this. How do you uh, develop practice- how do you develop that first practice? How do you develop the is it a just a way of thinking? Are there certain things, daily habits that you can do to to develop those practices? This practice one of the, one of the tools we have one of the tools we have in the book is called a dream napkin. Mm-hmm. And we actually ask people to take your current dream. And instead of like what we did with a million, we say, take your current dream. Now I want you to on a napkin, take, draw what it would look like to accomplish your dream. Just a, any napkin that's laying around, multiply it by a hundred. And I think if you just, just that, just that discipline of every day going like, okay, I'm not going to settle for what I can do, but I'm going to multiply it times a hundred. It forces me to think, how do I do it through others? Right. And I go after the dream. That's how you, I think that's how you stay focused on multiplication thinking. Mm-hmm. Just any dream that you have, multiply it by a hundred and then just keep thinking. There's a book called 10 X. It's kind of a, just a, a worldly book by Grant Cardone. And he kind of takes that mentality and mindset and just says, well, how can I 10 X that, you know, but you're talking, you're actually telling, yep. saying a hundred, uh, you know, multiplied by a million times that. So that's pretty powerful. Okay, good. Uh, second essential practice for leaders to multiply leaders. 
Uh, the second practice we talk about is permission giving. Mm-hmm. And uh, in permission giving, there was um, actually a book that came out called Growing Young, and they did this landmark study on millennials as related to their them being involved in the church. And basically, one of the key takeaways is the reason that millennials are not being involved in the church is because we haven't given them permission. They're just in, in this book. They actually said, "Just give them the keys. Just mm-hmm. give them the keys, and you know, like the keys to the car. Just trust them." Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, for me, um, one of the one of the tools because I love to give little tools in, in the book too, so you can actually do this stuff, not just learn about it. We 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 say the four most important letters in the alphabet are I C N U. And what we need to do is have I see in you conversations, like I see in you this ability, I see in you this Ooh. talent. Mm-hmm. For me, this there's a gosh, this goes back. I was probably like in eighth grade. I was at a summer camp. There was a guy named Dennis Gamoff, who had been oh he'd been a high school basketball American. He went went on and played it in the Big Ten, I think at Purdue University. And so as an eighth grader, he was at my summer camp as one of the youth workers. And I remember just like I thought he was awesome. And we played softball together. And I'm walking back. I still remember this. This is like I was in eighth grade. I still remember this. I'm walking from the softball field back to the cafeteria. I hand on my shoulder. And I turn around. And it's Dennis Gamoff. Uh-huh. And Dennis, in so many words, he says to me, he says, Dave, I see in you somebody who could be a really good leader. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like Gamoff, you know, believes wow. that. From, and I mean, I remember. And I'm telling you. God has placed in your sphere of influence. And for some of us that are listening, you, we need to be having those conversations with our kids. Yes. Hey, I see this in you. you know? yes. But we also, the people that are in our businesses, and you can't lie. I'm not talking about lying and exaggerating. I'm talking about really calling out the strengths, calling out the gifts, seeing stuff in them sometimes they didn't see in themselves. That is life-changing and gives them permission Okay, to be everything they can be. And this is why it's the second step, because once you begin to have multiplication thinking, you begin to see the world differently and you begin to look, okay, who are the people that I could give permission to be even greater than they ever imagined? And you have these, what we call, and I think it's great. I love this four most important letters of the alphabet. We have these I-C-N-U conversations. Yeah, I'm going to, that's a great takeaway for me uh, personally and in in business is making sure that that I have regular, intentional, I see in you moments, conversations uh, with the key people that, you know, God has placed in, in my life to lead and to multiply into, whether it be my kids or people in my business or my wife or anyone, really. We've even had, we've had uh, seasons where we would challenge people, hey, for the next 30 days, next 30 days, and maybe your listeners want to take this challenge, the next 30 days, every day, have at least one ICNU conversation. Yes. Every day for the next 30 days, one ICNU conversation. And what it does, it not only just begins to in, increase the capacity of all the people God's put around you, but it also, 30 days, of course, as you know, it helps you develop this habit and you start to become this person who's regularly having those kind of conversations. Yeah, I love it. I love it. What a great, great practice. Uh, okay, number three, three essential practice. Yeah. So multiplication thinking was first, permission giving was second, and the third one is what we call disciple multiplying. And um, I haven't been quite as focused as much on these, but actually if you go back to the Gospels, we see Jesus because as, as someone who did all of these practices. And sometimes we forget, we forget that, yeah, Jesus is our model for life, 
but he's also our model for leadership because he's a guy who started, I mean, God sent him here and then he starts with 12 and what ends up today, there's 2.2 billion people who claim to be followers of him. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, this is a guy who understands movement making. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not now, only just one time 2.2 billion. I mean, it's, it's for 2000 years, all right, the people right. that have lived, I mean, it's countless billions of people, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah. And one of the things that we did is for the book, we actually went through the gospels, the first four books, of the new Testament uh, that describe Jesus life, kind of the bio- biography of, of Jesus. And we kind of said, okay, did he spend his time with the masses? Like, you know, the, you know, doing the Sermon on the Mount and, and the feeding of the 5,000, or did he spend most of his time with the few, just the 12? Mm-hmm. And what we discovered when we actually laid it out is he spent 73% of his time with the few, with those 12 people he invested himself in. Um, that's actually 46 events in the Gospels with the, just a handful, just a few, while only 17 time, seventeen of the events in the Bible were with the masses, like three to one. Wow. And I challenged I challenge church leaders, and maybe this works for your business folks too. I say, you know what? Movement making means you think big, you dream big, but you start small. You dream big, but you start small. And so focus 75% of your time on just a handful of people who will then do the same, who will then do the same, who will then do the same. Yes. I love it. Um, there, yes. There's actually a verse. There's a verse in uh, John, uh, John 3, 22. It's a, you probably... If you've ever read the Gospel of John, you've probably just read right past it because it doesn't really jump out at you unless you know what it means. And it says Jesus spent some time with them. Mm-hmm. And the idea of, and the actual original language, spent some time, is this word diatribo. And it's two composite words, dia and tribo, which is like to rub and against. And, and it literally means to rub off. Mm. And what it really kind of says, Jesus spent his time just rubbing off on people. And, <laughs> and, and you, know, you know this is true in your business. That if you want people to begin to do the things you do, you got to spend time with them. Yes. And it really is just, and, and yeah, you the workshop, and that's good. So you give them some tools, but mostly it's like you just rubbing off on them. And um, I'd encourage your people listening. You know what? Seventy-five percent of your time with the few, twenty-five percent of your time with the large group. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is. Um... I think a lot of people run into a, a wall there because they think, oh well. If I spend time rubbing off on people, I don't feel like I'm enough. Like, I don't feel like I can really, what value do I have? Like, there's the, there's sort of the thinking of, I'm, what do I have to give? You know, I, I don't, I don't feel like I'm that special. What do you say to somebody like that? Um, well, if, if this person's a Christian, yeah. if this person's a believer, I mean, first of all, I, I mean, I, th- I think there's 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 some identity stuff that you need to do there, which is to remind them, you know, who you are fundamentally at your core, more than anything else, you're a child of God. Mm-hmm. You are a child of God, who he who he loved enough to pursue for a relationship and actually come to Earth and die. He loved you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to. I, and once you kind of get that, that you mean that much to God, instead of letting your own self-talk decide okay my worth well, let's let god decide your worth mm-hmm. okay let's let god determine how valuable you are what you have to give and if he thinks you're worth that much then i'm pretty sure you have something to offer other people. yeah yeah i think i think i run into that a lot though I, I run into a lot of a lot of times people feel like that's sort of a burden but i think if you practice the first two 
and you begin to yes. you begin to change your thinking, multiplied thinking. You begin to say, "I see in you," and you begin to catch yourself and give yourself opportunities to see other things and other people. And then, then it's more natural to, um, and what was the third principle? Actually, what was the title to, to rub off on people? Disciple multiplying. Disciple Disciple multiplying. Yeah. Disciple multiplying. Yeah. 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 I like that. Then you're, you begin discipling other people more naturally. People will be more drawn to you. It's amazing. Go ahead. No, I think you're, you're, you're dead on on that. I think part of the reason that I think I have the confidence to kind of diatribo, to rub off on the people, to multiply disciples and feel like I do have something to offer. And this will may sound a little cheesy, but I, I had a mom who, I mean, before I felt like God's spirit inside of me said, you, you can do it. I had a mom who was constantly going like, no, you could do that. Who was really, I mean, having these ICNU conversations. Yeah. And um, I think you're right. If you haven't had people who said that to you, then sometimes you, yeah, you do doubt that. And that's why, I, mean, I think God works that way. He works through other people to speak to us. Yeah, no, no kidding. Obviously. All right, number four, gift activating. Yeah, gift activating. And, and when we talk about gift activating, this is when we actually fully activate someone's gifts. You, you've, um, you've had the ICNU conversation. You've spent time rubbing off on them, and now it's like graduation. And in the church world, we call it commissioning. Mm-hmm. And um, for us, like at Community Christian, when, when we have someone who's who's been a, an, a, what we call an apprentice leader, and they've apprenticed someone in a, maybe in a small group, and they get to a certain place where they're ready to lead, we actually encourage them to have a moment where you fully activate their gifts. It's called commissioning, where you put your hands on them, and you pray for them, and you say, you know what? Now I'm sending you out. You're, you're ready to be a leader. Um, we do all these church planners that we have. When they've gone through our training and gone through their own kind of more elaborate apprenticeship with a staff person, and they're ready to go plant a church, we'll actually up in front of a whole church um, we'll put our hands on them, uh, and then we perform. It's like a blessing. You you send them out, yeah. and I don't know how you they would apply this um, in your setting, but I think I mean there's probably a certain kind of graduation where they feel the affirmation of other people, yeah. and and they're like, all right, now we think you're ready for a new level. Go get them. Yeah, and um, that's what it is to fully act, gift activating. I love that. I, I love. There's something about ceremony and celebrating um, and publicly proclaiming baptisms. You know those those sorts of things. That's a that's a form of commissioning. That's a form of oh, s- ceremony, and it's so important. And we forget that in our lives is just a public declaration of this person is ready. And it, or like when you're 13 and and the Jewish tradition of of uh, uh, gosh, what is that called when you uh, have a Oh gosh. Bar mitzvah? Yeah, bar mitzvah. It's it's yeah. it's that kind of you know, I've I'm ready. I, I've come that's that's why I, I for with my two boys, I've got a seventeen an eighteen and a sixteen year old. And yeah. uh just we had a knighting ceremony for both of them when they were thirteen, you know, just sort of declaring who they are, you know? Yeah. That's I awesome. It. I think right. They we don't. I think you're right about baptism. I love the. I love what you're talking about with this. This idea of knighting. I think we need those kind of be marker marker events in 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 the, in the lives of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's great about this book is, and we we don't have time to get into it. Is you give these specific tools for each one of the um, practices, and uh, it's powerful, powerful stuff. And you break it down in a much more detailed way. And the fifth one. What's the fifth one? And the fifth practice, yeah, the fifth practice is what we call kingdom building. Mm-hmm. And again, this is the shift. And the way we talk about it in the church world is you're no longer concerned with who's showing up at my thing, but you're counting who am I sending out to do God's thing. 
Mm-hmm. It's not just who my, and in, in, in my setting, it might be like, you know what? I'm trusting God. I'm not so much concerned about who's coming, what's the attendance at my church, mm-hmm. but how many people not to do God's work, and I'm gonna let God take care of that. Yeah. And I think I think supplies this too. And I understand, you know, you got to count the bottom line because it's got to be sustainable. But the same thing, it can't be all about like how much. It can't be focused about me because I'm I'm trusting kind of the sowing and reaping principle. If I'm sending people out, if I'm equipping them, I'm helping them become all that God meant them to be. That's what I really want to keep track of because that's how I'm gonna make the biggest difference and multiply my influence. Yeah, and you use a tool called a simple scoreboard. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And basically, kind of going back to this term of apprentice that, that we use a lot at, around our church, we ask people saying, okay, who are, how many apprentices do you currently have? And then how many would you like to have a year from now? And then even five years from now. Mm-hmm. So rather than, you know, me just in, in the church world, I mean, to be honest with you, Eric, I mean, we, we, we talk about butts and bucks. You know, if, you've been, if you're a churchgoer, it's kind of like how many people show up and set their butt in the pew and how many bucks do they give? Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a great measurement for the difference we're trying to make in the world. We're no. really trying to make a difference in the lives of people. Mm-hmm. And so instead, we challenge people, okay, how many people have you, again, discipled or apprenticed? Are you right now? And I could probably, if I was to do the math right now, for me, it's about, there's about seven people I'm saying I'm apprenticing them in different roles. Mm-hmm. But then I also go like, okay, how many? want to do a year and then five years. And then I also like to do this is how many total have I had as I look over my shoulder over the last year or years and over the last several years. And so if they pick up the book, they can see it's a real simple tool for actually how you can keep track of that. Yeah, that's really interesting. Oh, very cool. Another thing um, that I really found, and I've, I've, uh, rever- uh, what am I saying? I've, I've re- um, reverberated it on my team. That's not the word, I'm, but I'll just get it out. I've I've basically told people about this um, principle uh, a lot, and that's this. It's it's actually in the exponential book, um, which I is that one of your is that your first book? Exponential. Uh, It was actually my second one. We wrote a book called The Big Idea, but exponential was second. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and in exponential, you talk about reproducing tribes. You know, movements starting with one, and then reproducing tribes of ten. 100 to 1,000 to tens, tens of thousands. And specifically, um, I, I love this reproducing uh, leaders and the, really the five steps to reproducing leaders. And the first step is I do, you watch, then we talk. And we use this in our example in, um, uh, when, I, when I remind people about what it means to help someone else understand how to teach a class. In our business, we, we teach classes or we teach one-on-ones. And okay. the only way that that skill can be discipled or reproduced or multiplied in someone else is this process. I do, you, I do the class, you watch me teach the class, and then afterwards we'll talk about it. And then the second principle is Second time you teach the class, I will teach the class again, but this time you're going to help me teach the class, and then we're going to talk about it afterwards. And then the third time I teach a cl- the t- third time a class is taught, you then teach the class, I help with the class, and then we talk about it afterwards. The fourth time you teach the class, I'm just watching you teach the class, we talk about it afterwards. And finally, the fifth time you teach the class, someone else watches. And the process is then duplicated and passed on. I love that principle. Did you hear that? Did you make that up or did somebody teach you that? 
No, no, that was taught to us. But one, one of the things we discovered early on was while a number of people had maybe heard of it, mm-hmm. and, and maybe even your listeners are going like, oh, I've heard that before. Only a handful of people actually do it. And I'm telling you, you know, I, Eric, I'm glad you brought it up because at the core of multiplication, the core of any kind of movement making is always some kind of a some kind of a, a multiplication mechanism. And I think this five steps you just described there is is crucial. I I, I have a, a apprentice leader in my small group, and I take it through the five steps. We meet at Starbucks every Monday at 4:30, and, and um, just. Last week, um, he led the small group for the very first time. So he kind of moved to step four where he did it. I watched, and then we got together and we talked about it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it, this, is, this, is, this is the tool that we actually give people under that third practice of disciple multiplying. I love it. I love it. Now, who's speaking into you? Who's discipling you? Who, is, uh, who do you kind of uh, rely on for that, for that discipling? Because aren't we always in, always in process? Of developing? I, oh, yes, I think absolutely. I do think, though, there's different seasons. And I think for me right now, it's a, it's a, it's a little harder to kind of just find one person. Mm-hmm. And so there's different people I've been kind of seeking out. Um, there's some people, there's, there's some, there's some people who've written some books that uh, kind of like what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. And I've, I would pursue them, get conversations with them. So while at this point, there's not really like one person I would say is discipling me. I think there's different people for different things that I kind of reach out to, and I feel like they kind of mentor me. And sometimes, and your listeners will know this, they'll actually uh, resonate with it. I think they mentor you almost from a distance. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's what's going on with me these days. Yeah. For a long time, I, um, one of my mentors I would consider was uh, Dave Ramsey. Uh, and I would listen to Dave oh. Ramsey's podcast and I literally was just inundated. I felt like he was kind of on my board of directors, my personal board of directors, and he was my financial board of directors. And I really liked the way he thought, uh, read all of his books and studied his materials. And, and financially, we've structured our lives because very much so because he's been on my, my board of directors and he's, you know, he's discipled me just by listening to his podcast. And, uh, and I think that that's kind of what, I hear you saying is from a distance, um, you're, you're being, you're it's being a, it's mentored. A, yeah. And, and, and so like for you, you're talking about Dave Ramsey kind of in this area of finance and stewardship and generosity. He's been kind of the person there, there, there may be, and probably maybe for you, cause you got teenage boys. Um, I think you said you had two teenage sons. Yes. Maybe you're looking to somebody else for like, okay, maybe Ramsey's the guy you're looking to for parenting, but someone else you're looking to that's helping you in that area. And I feel like that's kind of what's, it's almost like I've diversified my, my mentoring portfolio. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's good. I think we all, we all should have that. Um, so, well, I, I truly, truly loved talking with you, Dave. I, I'm really impressed with, uh, with what you're doing, um, the church movement that you, that you've been spearheading and, um, and I just think great things are to come. So tell me, uh, the book is of course, hero maker. Um, but there's also exponential. Um, those are the two books I have sitting in front of me here. Um, tell me about the exponential conference. When is it? Uh, when's the next one? Yeah, we uh, we just finished the one. It's the large one that we have down in Orlando uh, at the end of every March. But we also have five regionals, uh-huh. and so if um, you could 
two different places. I can take if they if they want to go to HeroMakerBook.org, HeroMakerBook.org. I'll give them information about the book, but it also lists um, all five regionals that are in D.C., Chicago, L.A., the Bay Area, and Houston. And we'd love, love, love to have you. And actually, Hero Maker is the theme of of the conference, and um, we got some of the some of the best uh, and most motivated speakers anywhere in the world that'll be there and be a part of them. And I, I guarantee you'll, you'll, you'll leave right to multiply other leaders. <laughs> and this is something that anybody could go to, right? Do you have to be a pastor or a church leader in some way? Nope. Anybody, anybody, it's, it's, it's geared towards church leadership, but it's something like, just like kind of like this conversation, anybody would benefit from. Yeah. And then if they wanted to be, learn more about your church network, uh, it's called, uh, what is that called again? It's called New Thing. New, um, new Thing. And Isaiah, that's exactly what he said. On behalf of God, he says, Behold, I, I'm doing a new thing. And so we got a whole bunch of brand new churches that are starting all over the, all over the globe. And uh, so newthing.org is where you can learn more about that. Oh, I love that. Um, I love that. Again, this principle of giving away. Uh, giving your life away, giving yourself away, rubbing off on other people, um, speaking life and, uh, and hope into other people with the intention of multiplying yourself into leaders and, and uh, leaders multiplying other leaders and, and seeing your legacy um, grow in, in a way that uh, you can't even imagine affecting countless amounts of people exponentially. I love it. Dave, thank you for spending some time with me. This has been hugely impactful for me personally. Um, and I know my listeners will, will love to uh, learn more about you and connect in all those ways that you just shared. Thanks, Dave, for being with me. Thank, thank you very much for the opportunity, Eric. Anything I can do, let me know. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> 